everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and we are down in the basement of the Bristol Motor Speedway Media Center. And it is very late at night. It's already Sunday. It's already Sunday. So happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. And by the time you'll be listening to this, uh, well, many of you will, maybe maybe it's Monday morning. Maybe you're, some of you are listening to this Sunday. Uh, either way, um, you all know what happened at Bristol. Uh, <laughs> what I, happened, Jeff? I mean, Tell <laughs> me what happened. <laughs> where, Tell me what happened. <laughs> where do we even <laughs> Well, here's, let me start with this. Where do we even I wanted here? chaos. I'm team chaos. We said that this race was going to be unpredictable and wild. We hoped that this race would be wild and unpredictable and all of those things. And on some level, it delivered. The question is, it was chaotic. The question, though, is did it skew too far from good chaos into borderline? Yeah, but the chaos you're talking about is not – the chaos that you're talking about was more of like the chaos you saw last year when you were here with T-shirt guy. And, you know, you had the Harvick Elliott kind of drama going on and, and things like that, like – contact on the track, you know, rivalries, hard racing, things like that. Tonight didn't really have any of that. Like any any sort of like um you know the the battles on the track tonight were more about guys just trying to survive and not let their equipment fail or not let their tires go down or not let their power steering or the steering racks have problems or whatever it was. And you know, it it just I don't know. It that you didn't like it. No, I didn't like it. No, I didn't like you it. You were very upset earlier. Yes. Why? Because this this wasn't. I mean, this was not. Um, and I, I don't. I, I'm fully aware that a lot of people don't like it on the podcast when you know I'm I'm too down on something. So I'm trying to temper my. No, open up. You're among friends here. No, Jeff. you're trying to you're trying to bait no. me. No. And it's late, and this I'm already my my defense is already down no, here. No, no, no. This is this is a circle of trust. Where this is a friendship thing here. Please sure. confide in me. I get that. Listen, um, I, I you know the race to me felt uh, disjointed in that you know you were running laps at a time, and then someone would have a failure. You know, someone would have a tire go down, or someone would you know again power steering, whatever. Um, there was one incident where Daniel Suarez, his car was driving so bad that he spun out on his own and took out um, a lot of cars that changed the entire race and complexion of the playoff round. We can get yeah. into that a little bit later when we're talking about the playoff results themselves. But as, just in terms of the racing, you know, we were, we were very worried that um, going into it, we were worried that we, you know, everybody saw Martinsville, everybody saw Richmond, the, the, this car on these tracks has not been great on, on short tracks. Yeah. And, uh, and I agree. And yes. And I always tried to separate that though, because Richard Martin Martinsville are two different tracks from this. And I think the issues we had tonight were different in some degree than the issues we had there where tonight it seemed like high speeds, high loads, you know, wear and tear strain, strain on the equipment was probably the culprit where at Martinsville, you know, you didn't quite have that. There was other things at play. Well, I mean, to, to an extent that, that was the part that was like breaking up the race in terms of the caution and stuff. But there's no doubt that people that had clean air, like Christopher Bell said, when he got out front, it was like his car was just driving like super easy. And, you know, the, the, as soon as you had that advantage as the leader, 
it was going to be very difficult to pass anybody. Now, Brad Kozlowski um, was able to pass a couple people late. Um, there was only two. There was uh, 12 lead changes in these 500 laps, and um, only two of those, I believe, were on-track passes. Uh, early in the race, uh, Ryan Blaney passed Eric Almirola on the track mm-hmm. in the first run, and then uh, Brad Kozlowski uh, was able to pass Kyle Larson. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, everything happened in the pits, you know, just on the order they came out in the pits. Our, our leader had an issue like Blaney did. And then, well, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Right. Well, yeah. Like we, right. I mean, Christopher Bell, right. uh, Keselowski too. Keselowski. Keselowski had an issue. Yes, I mean, so that was right. the other thing too, is you saw a lot of lead changes yes, tonight where it right. was, how many leaders tonight was Blaney Keselowski? Uh, there was Bell. only six. No, no, no. But I mean, I'm sorry. Oh. How many leaders tonight had issues though? Like three, four, oh. at least three. Well, there was only six drivers that let, let so it Keselowski all. did, Blaney did, Bell did. Um, Almirola did, uh, but he didn't have his issue while he was leading. Though. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was wild because that was the thing. I was like, you'd be watching this, and all of a sudden, like, oh my goodness, the leader. You, you right. very, you know, very rarely in a race. Every once in a while, you get a leader has a problem, but this was like, right. boom, boom, boom. Well, and, and you had consecutive ones as well with yeah. uh, Kozlowski and Bell. Yeah. One right after another there. Um, yeah. Again, you know. I don't know. I mean, a lot of it, again, they were talking about, you know, the high speeds um, with this car, you know, just made it really difficult to pass. And, you know, Bristol is my favorite track, concrete Bristol, of course. Um, And, you know, I was just like, was there another kind of Bristol? Anyway, I was just, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that, I don't think that, Look, uh, an attrition race, let, let's say even last year, okay? Any other year in NASCAR history up till this year, if you had a, t- a race that was testing the equipment of the teams, mm-hmm. and like it was attrition, and like, oh, they were falling out, oh, a 600-mile race, and, you know, their equipment just wouldn't last, and it was kind of an old-school thing, like, you know, you've got to find the speed but also make it last. Um, and, and you could sort of justify that, you know, by saying, well, that's a challenge of the teams to build a good car. Like it's build a long lasting reliable equipment. That's also fast. Well, now that they're not building it, when things happen to these cars, as we saw with the fires, um, you know, now the issues with the, the steering rack or, or the power steering and all that stuff, um, the tire problems, you know, you can say that's, oh, that's set up. That's, that's set up. Okay. I'm, and, not, and I'm not including that. Okay. I'm not including that. But when you have problems with the car, you know, you're just like, this has nothing to do with, the teams essentially, right? I mean, you would think that the power steering stuff that happened to all three, uh, Chase Briscoe said his power steering went out on lap four. Alex Bowman said his power steering went out at the beginning of stage two. And then you had um, three Toyotas that had yeah, Bubba Wallace, Ty Gibbs and Martin Truex Jr. Right. So that wasn't like a manufacturer specific thing. Like it looked like maybe the Ford setup, for mm-hmm. instance, was more Penske. Was, yeah, almost, but Penske specific almost, and in, in some cases, because it seemed like they really were the Fords that got slammed. Yeah, I mean, uh, other Fords had issues That's later true. too. But um, anyway, you know, just like it's 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 a little bit different when you so you go to a playoff race and you're like, okay, let's see what's going to happen here, and it just feels like people are just sort of like hoping to like not get randomly taken out yeah, by, your number gets by their own equipment your... that they didn't build. So what's the solution? There is none. That's, that's the thing. I think there's, there's a no, solution. There's no solution. We didn't have these problems when Bristol was a dirt race, dirt track. In the spring, we did not have these issues, Jeff. 
are you? Is this going to be a serious podcast? Or are you just going to troll me? I, this is a serious question. We did not have these problems. I mean, maybe this is the issue. We just need two Bristol dirt races. I wish I could show people the look on your face right now. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's enjoying this podcast. Anyway, well, what do you think of the race, Jordan? It was weird. It's like part of me was I embraced the chaos, the unpredictability, and like you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. The guys are dropping out of the race. It's, it's wild swings, right? I mean, Kevin Harvick goes from looking like he's going to win the race potentially early, and then he falls back, and then he comes back, and he was ahead of the 17, and then he, he coming down pit road, and then he's got a tire issue, and he's out. And it's just up and down all day. And so that, it, that was interesting because you just didn't know, and all the playoff drama, and it was. The, the, the battle for the last playoff spot was – interesting i mean it swung uh, really all over the way all over today but the actual racing itself was it was just okay right i mean it wasn't the tip i, I mean at times it looked good but for the most part it wasn't you had 12 lead changes six drivers that's not and how many of those were those lead changes were because of incidents right it's just so that that was missing and it's unfortunate and you talk to the drivers after the race and they all said the same thing like it was too fast the loads were too much on the tires and it's unfortunate because you want this race to be something unique. This is a special race. And on some level, I think you got what you want to see at Bristol, which is chaos. But again, it feels like you just went too far. And that that's where I have a problem with. Yeah, again, I, I think that chaos is great if it's because the, the drivers are racing each other so hard. And maybe somebody slips up or something like that. But this was just they're racing out there and just hoping disaster doesn't strike and a piano doesn't fall out of the sky and crush their playoff hopes yeah. randomly. And you know, that's, that's what seemed to be happening. So anyway, you know, not to harp on that too much. Cause it just, you know, I, I just, oh, I just hate that, you know, short tracks are my favorite and the next gen car has not been good on short tracks. And now that sport is finally going in an increasingly short track direction, mm -hmm. the schedule came out this week and they said, this is going to be the last Fontana race. They're turning that into a short track. We know they're going to North Wilkesboro. Uh -huh. um, you know, they're trying to get to the Nashville fairgrounds. Uh -huh. They've lost, um, you know, they've lost Chicago, Kentucky. They've lost uh, the, the Atlanta races in terms of like a traditional mile and a half. We're going to lose the big Fontana. Michigan. Um, we've lost the Michigan race. Um, and you know, it's like, okay, now they're ready to go short tracks, but this car doesn't race good on short tracks, at least right now. And I was asking some of the drivers afterwards, is there any fix for this? And there's the drivers feel not too optimistic about like, this is, this is what it is. So yeah, I feel, I'm sorry to come on here and be like a little bit discouraged about it, but you know, Bristol's my favorite track, short tracks, are my favorite. And this car just doesn't, seem to race good on short track. So it's just a little bit scourging is all. Unless that short track's a dirt short track. <laughs> <laughs> he just drops the microphone. <laughs> so, um, Love you, Jeff. Surprisingly, so, you know, we sat here the last time we were together was at Daytona, right? Yeah. yeah. And we sat at Daytona Media Center and we said, here's going to be our first four yeah. drivers <laughs> out. So we both got one correct, <laughs> yeah. Austin Dillon. Uh, you know, he was actually in a good spot. To Austin Dillon, if he misses that wreck, if he misses the Suarez oh, wreck, he's oh, in. He's in. He's through. He did, he, 
I will say, wait, we all had Austin Dillon out. He did. He did. He put himself in a good spot. Like he, I feel like he maximized his potential in this playoff run. Like they just, they were an okay team this year, and they ran. He put himself in position to exactly. come to Bristol exactly. and have a shot. And he was in the spot. No, no fault of his own. There was nothing he could get on that rack. Like he did a good job, and it's crazy. And then you got two former champions who I think we both thought were guys who could make deep playoff runs potentially. I I picked Kyle Busch as my champion. Remember, I, and I stuck with it. Oh, did you? That's right. Yeah. Kyle Busch was my championship pick. Please, <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a do over there. Oy. Yeah, yeah. And my champion's gone after round one. Uh, yeah. First time Kyle Busch has ever been eliminated in round one. First time Kevin Harvick has ever been eliminated in round one. Yeah, what a we we've said there's going to be shocking people, shocking names yeah, out but in round both, one. Oh, another throw this in there too. Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick, like, huge shock. Like honestly. I mean, I thought he. I mean, he's had speed all year. They're yeah. really good, and I thought. I thought I, I don't want to say he was going to make the championship four, but if he would have made the championship four, I wouldn't have been shocked. Like, yeah, I, I he, mean, all the three of these drivers that had we're talking potential about, to get to Phoenix. With those him. are at least drivers we thought would be in the final eight. Agreed, agreed. I mean, and I'm I'm stunned. Like Reddick again, really no fault of his own. Like was really good at Kansas, really good here. Um, had a really great run at, at um, Darlington to start the playoff, and then just gone. And it's just. It's wild. This is the this is wildest round one in, in memory, at least that I can think of. Well, you had non playoff drivers sweep the round. Yeah, which is a whole way that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> I mean there's just um and you've got eighteen by the way, also eighteen different winners now. Eighteen different winners. No, 19. 19, 19, 19, 19 sorry, yeah, sorry. Kurt. You know, for those of you who listen to the podcast, uh somebody finally Tweeted me about it. I probably it was just wasn't worth tweeting me about before. Uh, let me look who up. I wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, Trip Andre said after the race, at least you don't have to think about a podcast title because when we started the playoffs and Austin Dillon won his way in, I titled the podcast and then there were sixteen because it was like <laughs> starting the playoffs and there were sixteen left and the sixteen different winner. But then the next week, Eric Jones won, so I put the podcast title and then there were seventeen. <laughs> then. Bubba Wallace won, so I put, and then there were 18, referring to the number of different winners. <laughs> then now I, I just, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. We've had four straight weeks. And we, you know, Kevin Harvick won the Michigan race. That was the 15th different winner of the season. Yeah. And you're like, well, that might be it. I mean, yeah, maybe Truex and Blaney win one. They still haven't won yet. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get, uh, after, <laughs> you know, there was a couple calm, calm ish weeks, I guess, uh, you know, Watkins Glen, you know, stuff like that, where, you know, no, no mm-hmm. new winner. And then all of a sudden, you reel off four straight wins here in a row uh, with with guys who had won. So now nineteen tying the all time record. Mm-hmm. There's never been twenty different race winners in a season. There's still Talladega's uh, out there. Yeah, Talladega, Walk, uh, the Roval, Roval. Uh, I mean, who who knows what's going to happen? And again, Blaney and Truex are Blaney and Truex still don't have wins, and they're yeah. each very capable of winning. Absolutely, um, Brad Keselowski. Talladega. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys you can make a case for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you almost expect it at this point. Yeah, expect the unexpected. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it, it it is the most unpredictable round one for sure, but it's also just so it's almost like it's so predictable. It's unpredictable, or it's so well, it's just it's just gone it's so extreme. Like the par- yes, it's parody. It's all parody, and it's all because of the new car, which is great. If you wanted parody, this new car 
excuse me, this new car is absolutely delivered. I mean, a thousand percent. And that is the best thing about the new yeah, car. Yeah, I mean, races super speedways well, road courses, dirt tracks. Okay, I'm not talking about the racing. I'm talking about the amount of different teams and different winners that can go to a, you know, RFK racing. They can go, and, and Kozlowski was great tonight too. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, between the two of them, uh, Busher led 169 laps. Uh, Kozlowski led 109 laps. And, you know, we haven't seen them be super competitive. And then they go out, and you know, they were they had legit speed. It wasn't like just yeah. like they, they got up to now. I mean, Busher takes the two-tire call. Kozlowski stays out for all of stage one on tires. No tire wear, by the way, here, which I thought yeah. was – you need you need tire wear. Well, they wear. They, I guess they don't wear them. They just go down. They they go from one extreme to the other. I mean, Keselowski. We I, I asked him about this afterwards because you know you would think like okay, he he stayed out on that one set for the mm-hmm. first 125 laps of the race, all of stage one, right? And you're like, okay, well, like they're obviously durable, and he's obviously got a setup that's going to be going on. Then he's leading the race. And one, he said, you know, it, it didn't wear, it didn't wear out. He said it either failed or he ran over something. And given the amount of stuff we saw tonight, the amount, of, I don't think he ran over something. It probably failed like many others have. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, was that a setup thing? But, but how could it have been a setup thing if he went on the first 125 laps and they were fine? Chris Busher's crew chief at the end said he took two tires because the left sides weren't wearing at all. The mm-hmm. right sides he was worried about, so he didn't want to take like just stay out. So he pitted for two tires, but that two tire call was a winning strategy. Um, yeah, the two they, tire they, call at Bristol just seems so odd. I mean, when they're yeah, I mean, it's they, just, they kudos to them. They noticed it. Yeah, right away. I mean, but obviously others tried to, you know, push it on tires a little bit, whether it's air pressure or whatever set up. And Cindric said he was but, down to his last set, and he had four. He had three failures tonight, he said. I think he said he was he was on the brink of a fourth when they got a caution that was that saved I mean, him. Harrison Burton. Yeah. At least three flat tires. Um by the way, Harrison Burton, for all the cautions and stuff he was involved in, uh, he ends up finishing sixteenth. Nice. How many laps down? Uh he was three laps down. That's not bad. All things considered. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean, so so the, the you know, the, the tire situation wasn't great. Um I don't know where where I was talking about, but um, were, were we talking about playoff drivers or something? Yeah, I mean the parity thing is interesting, and you're right. Oh, parody, it does, right, it, yeah. but I was talking to somebody on the grid before the race, and they were with RFK, and they said, "Listen, we we feel like we've got two really good fast race cars tonight." They proved correct. They also said, "I feel like we can say that about a bunch of guys tonight." And I said, "Respond to like." It does feel like you could throw a net over like a dozen guys or so tonight, 12, 15 guys, and, and you could make a case of why they were going to win this race, and it was just going to be a matter of typical Bristol survival. Now, when I say that, we're thinking cautions, right, like wrecks, that kind of thing, multi-car incidents, but it was actually just mechanical stuff more than anything, which is odd. But So in that, it's it's it was. It was a, it was a Bristol race that it was about survival, but not in the typical sense. Yeah. I just think – it's I, when I, when I think of the playoffs, you know, you build all year up to, up for this, right. And you want the guys to be able to go race it out. Um, now obviously a lot has to do with teamwork and, and mechanical stuff at times that that's part of racing. So Kyle Busch to have two engine failures in the first three races and, and be eliminated because of that. 
um, you know, you, who, who do you blame? I mean, it's, it's, it's engine failures. It's, do you think Toyota's out to get them? No, no, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Um, I'm saying sarcastically, huh? I, I don't well, buy some it. people say that. I, that's why I know I just want to cover. I just want, I'm being joking. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think they're, they're not going to sabotage, uh, Kyle Busch. Now I did think that they were maybe, <laughs> um, keeping the 2311 cars out there to pass him. That's I thought, so, wow, that was so fascinating to watch. Um, but then, the, you know, they had Bubba pass him Yeah. and then t- they parked Ty Gibbs Four oh. laps right before he was going to pass him. Yeah, I was listening to the radio. But then, and and you know, I wish I knew more about what was going on. I wonder if Radioactive or somebody will will play the chatter or something. But so then Almarola retires from the race. A Ford, which gives Sindrick another point. Then Logano. I was going to say that's the other one. Logano retiring. But, so did he have? I mean, did he need to go out? Like I, I don't know. But so that's two points. Now Kyle Busch misses the playoffs. This is the next round by two points. Um, I'm also, by the way, as you're repeating this and we're starting to think out loud, I'm getting flashbacks to 2013 and like the more the day after when all of this started to like. No, that was that night. It was that you night. were there, so you know it was that night. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. at least we haven't got that yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody knew that night. Like something, something's not right here. Something's fishy. But um, no, this this didn't rise to that level. I don't think because those cars had problems. I mean. You know, like Ty Gibbs' car, yeah, and our had problems. So you know, and we should say, in all seriousness, Bob Pockers from Fox Sports did tweet out. He talked to NASCAR, and they had they did have like a NASCAR inspector walk down to the forty five and the twenty three car and take a look at them, and they were they were they had obvious issues. Okay, I didn't see that. Yeah, he tweeted it out. So Um, I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, well, I still feel like I mean that the twenty three part of it. I mean that's a that's that I'm that's not a coincidence. So. I mean, that was like, Hey, let's, let's, that was a team type thing. But again, that the, since the car had damage, I don't have like a tremendous, huge problem with it Yeah, because that's almost like a, a team orders thing. I mean, to, for him to go back on the track, why was he on the track anyway? You know, like that, that car, the Ty Gibbs car wasn't in any sort of points situation where he's trying to, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm curious about how that all, how that all went down, I guess. But, um, how satisfied are you with this car? With the car in general? Yeah. Well, I thought Kozlowski had a really good point tonight because he said, you know, there's there's sort of two camps on it, right? There's a camp that just like everything about this car stinks and there's so many things wrong with it, blah, 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 blah. And then there's the other side that's like, hey, this car has done so much, you know, um, changed the financial model and, and the parity and all this stuff. It has not changed the financial model. Okay, whatever. Anyway, um, but his point was he's sort of in the middle and he's like, Hey, I like it, but let's still keep working on it kind of thing. And, and if it's, he, his quote was something like, uh, he's even told NASCAR, like if the next gen car, um, looks the same as it does next year, as it does this year, then it's a failure because it has to keep evolving and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that said, he, he said that, you know, just like we're so we're also polarized about everything these days. He said pretty much everybody seems to be in one camp or another about the car. Um, overall, if I'm going to take a giant step back and look at the car, I'm going to say it's a big success. Um, it's completely transformed intermediate tracks, which for as long as I've been around, those have been a major problem. Like, Oh my gosh, like this is just these racing, these tracks. What are they going to do? I shouldn't even go to these tracks anymore. Now it's great. Now you can't wait to see more. Right. Um, obviously, you know, 
there's things like like as the car's catching on fire or you know the, the mechanical stuff that's not great um and the fact that it doesn't seem to race very well on short tracks and even not as good on road courses as the old car was does race good on dirt <sighs> What do you think of the car? It's I mean it's it's I don't think that I it's really the thing you can make a case either way. I think there's certainly work to be done. The safety thing is number 1, first and foremost. That the issues that the drivers have had are feeling in their bodies and NASCAR will tell you this that it is it is a concern and the drivers are taking extremely hard hits. That is not good. That is worrisome and that needs to be addressed. Um the intermediate tracks is is really encouraging. Uh, the super speedways are fine. The short tracks, it's frustrating because this is supposed to be the bread and butter of what NASCAR represents, and it's not. And I, and it, to me, and I'm not a car person. I'm not a technical person. It just seems like there has to be, like, an easy fix for this, right? Like, this is a short track. It can't be that hard. Like, figure it out, right? Whether it, you know, just figure it out. And it doesn't seem to be the case. And I thought tonight would be different because this is a higher bank track. It's Bristol, right? And... But I thought Martinsville was going to be different, and it wasn't. And it's just, I don't know. I, I really think there's a part of me as well that looks at this and says, I think what we have now is going to be very different next year and a lot everywhere because the teams are actually going to have the cars this offseason to do stuff with, and they're going to have the parts and the pieces. They didn't have that. To do what? To to to, 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 to they're to do whatever they want to do and how they look, how they put the car together, little, little things they can do. There is, there is differences that teams can do. And I don't think they're going to make gains on in the off season. Unless it's different parts. I think, I think that the, the big teams are still going to have this giant bug. There's a giant bug while we're doing the podcast, like a oh, freaky freakish, it's like that big centipede type thing crawling it's around a little thing. It's anyway. not that big. Hope I'm going to crawl in your coffee. Yeah. Well, that's that's like a that's like symbolic. Why of are like, you freaked out by it? You're like I'm not moving. Freaked out You're by like it. moving well, away from crawling it. Crawling toward my chair. I mean, you know. I don't know what to do with this thing. Just ignore that is, it. That is super ugly. Holy cow! Well, that's not nice. That's just mean, Jeff. Well, anyway, call, we were talking about bugs ugly. with the car, and then a bug started. A giant bug started crawling across the table in the middle of the podcast. Ooh, ooh. What? I don't know. Sounds like some kind of. I think you should sacrifice your notepad to kill this bug. Not, I do not kill bug. I feel no. That's an innocent bug. I'm not going to kill an innocent bug for no reason. Well, I don't want to sacrifice my coffee. Move it's over it's here, then. Just we are doing this podcast. At move your over coffee 1 over here. It's fine. Leave the bug alone. It doesn't deserve to die. Okay, I'm going to kill the bug. No, my, don't kill the shoe. bug. Why are you killing the bug with your? Don't hit the. He literally took his shoe off. No, no, you now you you're killing. Well, it took him like four whacks to kill the bug. Boy, you're a hell of an executioner. Anyway, so <laughs> so the big teams are still going to have advantage. They have inherent advantages. They've got so much brain power, and they're going to put that to use this offseason. You can't sit there and say that a Hendrick Motorsports or Joe Gibbs Racing, when they have all of these, these staffs of hundreds of people, aren't going to figure out something to do to make themselves better. That they haven't figured out during the season on the track. They they're not going to have to be testing. And there's there's more time in the off season to experiment and play. Plus, most of the season, at least for the first part of the season, there wasn't a lot of excess parts and pieces and cars. And you were literally going from week to week saying, "Oh yeah, that car we raced a week ago. We might have to bring that to the track as our backup car." Okay, 
they're not going to be able to change the quality of the racing on short tracks unless they change the parts of the car at this point. Unless they change how the car is built, essentially, or like whatever. NASCAR needs to. Oh, there's things that need to be done. Like, I mean, I mean, I think I am team. Figure out a way to make stop shifting gears on tracks. That seems I mean, sure. Everybody, yes, yeah. but let, let me just put it this way: What is your level of alarm on a scale of one to ten right now about Martinsville for the cutoff? the round three cutoff race see this is tough because I mean, the my brain says there's because I, I was at that spring race it was not good right and the tire wear was not good the tires were hard it was also colder than hell so there's all of that and they're like man that's that's really hard to overcome and it's gonna be cold in the fall again and this and that my heart though the illogical part if you will says it's Bristol. It's the last race before the – it's Martinsville, last race before the championship. It's going to be a level of desperation. We see it every single year. Guys just go crazy. They make moves. They do things they wouldn't do. So <laughs> it'll probably be closer to the first than the second, but you know, I, I also think that this is going to be a playoff cutoff race, and it's going to be nuts. Yeah, I, I just feel like right now um, I don't think it's – you know, this is not just like – the other car we can just put a new aero package on it or whatever. What are, what are you looking at? Is I can't believe bugs? you killed the bug. I just feel bad for the bug. <sighs> anyway, um, you know what it's from? You know what that bug's from? It's from all the dirt that they brought into this place. Because bugs live in the dirt. So So you're symbolically you're, squashing Bristol dirt with your shoe now? You're pro dirt and now we're in the basement of Bristol and there's giant bugs crawling around. Why do you think that happened? Because there's no more dirt. They they wanted to come down here in the basement now. Oh, is that it? They're, they're hiding? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, oh, boy, this podcast is just so off the rails. Sometimes we finish our podcast and we're just like, man, that was a good podcast. I like that one. People like that one. This one we're going to finish and be like, that wasn't very good. Oh, I'm having a great time over here. This is fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking <laughs> oh about. This God. is fantastic. Uh, our colleague, Dustin Long from NBC Sports, and I, you were, I was a few minutes late getting down here. We were strategizing of ways – to like what things I could do to like goad you, and he gave wow, me some what friendly. Wow, great! Thanks, Dustin. He gave me some friendly, uh, some friendly tips. So. Well, it's not working. So well, let so. me ask you. So you know, it's it is funny though because a year ago, you know, Dustin and I were talking about this. Is a year ago this race was great. Like everybody was like excited, like oh my god, could Bristol host a championship race? What would that be like, right? And now here we are, and you're like, oh, could Bristol host a championship? I'm honestly to the point where so my, I I don't think that the car is gonna get. I don't think they're going to be able to do much with the car. The way the way things are now, uh, unless you completely change how the car is built or assembled, which is going to be all different parts, and people are going to, have to spend more money and all that stuff. And and I just maybe there's little things they can do. I, and I'm, I'm like you, I'm not technical, but I almost think you should just be like, look, okay, it's just not good on short tracks. So what do we got to do? We got to go to bigger tracks. Like I, oh, I I'm oh. serious. I think it's almost to the point where. They just got to be like, it, so it goes really well on big tracks. Let's, you know, scrap the... Uh, so for the next, how many, what, 10 years? How long is cars usually? Like 10 years? You cycle yeah, the cars? I don't you know? know. So the next five, 10 years, you're just going to be going to big tracks and forget Martinsville, forget Bristol, forget North Wilkesboro. Oh, that Auto Club Speedway renovation. Nobody seems to have a solution. I don't think NASCAR is going to suddenly change, you know, completely alter the cars. They're not going to go back to the old car. What I guess what I'm saying is, this is the car. This is the model. The entire model of sport has changed. And the teams, for the most part, like it because it's making everybody very competitive. You know, Petty GMS can go to the Southern 500 and win a race. 
RFK Racing can go to the Bristol Night Race mm-hmm. and win a race. It's not like they, they're doing this at like a super speedway. They're going to straight up tracks. I mean, where were those stats out? Uh, like the last um, Roush win on a non-super speedway before this was like Carl, 2014. Carl, Carl Edwards at Sonoma. I mean, that's yeah. been so eight, eight years ago. And then they suddenly come to the Bristol night race and both their cars lead over in triple digit laps. I mean, the car has changed it for many things for the better, but at the same time, if you're, if you're talking about great racing, let's go see this, you know, the, where the tracks that have great racing, I mean, go to the tracks that are better. And in, in the past, that would have been like, go to more short tracks, go to more road courses. Now I think there's a, a reopen Chicago. Oh no. What? What's wrong with Chicago? Where do we start? I mean, like the infrastructure is not there right now. What do you mean? I mean, it's just it's not hasn't had hosted it's a playoff race. opener track for years. Okay, but it's not. It's they they literally yanked seats and everything else out of there. That I mean, it's not ready to host a race. So you're saying bring that all back and get it up to par and North Wilkesboro is not ready to host a race and it's hosting the All Star race in <sighs> months. Basically, you, you, I don't think we talked about this. How do you feel about this? Well, it goes into the short track thing. I think it's great that they're going back North Wilkesboro, but they're going to bring this car that doesn't race well on short tracks. So North (laughs) Wilkesboro should be dirt, maybe. uh, I'm not wrong. Dirt racing's they work for the next gen car. If you say that word, the four letter word that starts with D one more time, I'm just going to get up. You can just do the rest of the podcast by yourself. You go whack bugs with your shoes some more. Yeah, I'll go look for more bugs out in the basement here, and you can just finish the podcast. I just, I I don't see, you, you can't abandon, you can't abandon short tracks. Like the fans would revolt. It's just, it's, it's okay. Well then you, then you got to fix the car. I I don't just, you have to figure out something to do with this car, whether it's tires, gears, diffusers, all of those things have been discussed. But are they going to? My hope is that this off season, the smart people will sit down and figure out a solution for this. What did, what did Harvick say in his safety rant? at Kansas about, you know, like, um, changing the car and stuff like that. He said the off season is too late because then if you're, if they're not working on stuff now, yeah, it's, you don't have enough time. And then he was talking about safety, but you know, not short track package, but the offset that, that start restarts the entire problem that they had before. If, they, if they're waiting to the off season, they get to November, December, whatever. And they go, all right, you know what? Hmm. For the short track stuff next year, you know, we want to make this better. So let's do this. Let's all order this part from this supplier. Let's get it out for all the teams. It's not going to be ready. It's not going to be ready by February or March. Well, the first what short track race is, I guess, I mean, I'm not counting feeding. So I'd say Martinsville, which is April. I don't know how much time do you need. Six months to six know, months is enough. Every team going to have enough parts? I mean, it's. I think you have to start figuring stuff out. I, my point is you can't wait to the off season and hope that it's just going to magically get, get better for next no, year. I, so. But I also think we're also overlooking the fact that these discussions are going, going like whether we know it or not. And we do know that they've had, they've talked to some degree. You think that they're ongoing to change. They just had a, a package at, for short tracks. They just had a test at Martinsville, right? You know, about to, to do this. So they are making, they are, they are, have made initiatives to try to figure this out. And but people didn't come away from that test very optimistic it sounded no like. but that's one time so my point is though you just said that they're not 
waiting until the offseason to do it is too late. But they already have started the process. They've already went to a test. You take the data from that, your analyst. It's not that hard to schedule another test at a short track sometime in the near future. I mean, it's, it's really not. So I think that process is already going. It's just not, we just don't know a lot about it. Let's go back to the uh, playoff drivers who eliminated because I, I think we started down that road and then we just got re- – I, I think I, I – I apologize because I probably drew us back into this conversation about the car. Man, you're killing bugs, taking off your shoe. Um, so, listen, you know, the Harvick thing in particular, I mean, there's bad luck and then there's, there's bad luck. I mean, <laughs> Harvick had bad luck. It, it's just it, – it's kind of unbelievable, honestly, if you think about it. It is. Because – you think about what, what what do you need to do when you go to a first round of a playoffs, okay? You need to avoid trouble. You if know, you have a season like he had where you've got playoff points and you're in a good spot and you've got speed, just finish races, don't make mistakes. You're probably going to finish in the top 10. You're going to be okay. Everyone, somebody else is going to shoot themselves in the foot. Take advantage of it. Yeah, so he goes to Darlington and his car catches on fire. While running in the top 10. Yes, and, and that, that was... I mean, they legit probably were, they might have finished top five. Probably, probably going to finish top five. Conservatively, top 10, probably finished top five. Yeah. So they had a top five car. That was top five run. He did not make any contact. Car catches on fire. Race over. Go to Kansas. They're racing. And racing Bubba Wallace, who won the race, by the way. They're, you know, he was, Fast. I don't think he was in a bad position. There. He had a top, he, same thing as Darlington. He had a top 10 car. Yeah. More than likely oh, going to yeah. finish top 10. Maybe top five. Who knows? Works out. So let's just give him two top tens. Chastain, um, you know, digesting it later. It, it it seems that Chastain was told there was one car outside. There was sort of two cars outside. Chastain kind of comes up the track. I asked him on Saturday in his press conference what was his view of that. He said, you know, I kind of pinched Bub up into the wall. But the Harvick thing, Harvick was behind us and. You know, the air just kind of took him out. But obviously, you know, Harvick was close enough to that incident and then didn't expect they were going to be coming up the track at him. And he ends up, however you want to put it, he ends up being put in the wall as a result of that incident. Snap loose. Done. Right. Um, comes here tonight. Pretty much has a decent shot to win the race. Yeah. Um, last pit stop. Leaves a wheel loose, I guess. And whatever chance he was going to have on the restart to try to get Busher or something is done. He ends up finishing 10th. Yeah, but he never picked that. He lost seven spots because of the pit stop. He fell from third to seventh. He was ahead of the 17 who won the race at the time. Um, he restarted 10th, never gained any spots, and his night's over. Yeah, so, I mean, sort of random fire, relatively random wreck, being sort of the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess, and a top 10 at Bristol, it could have been even, even better. And you, you can even take out the Kansas and say, hey, it's a racing accident. That's going to happen. You can give them that one, and you can still say Darlington and Bristol are two races where just bad luck caught him up, and he, you take those, you, you push those off. He, he moves on no problem. Yeah, and as it is, he finishes – he was 16th in points. I mean, Austin Dillon finished that this round 13 points ahead of him, so that just shows you how damaging it is to just not finish races. You yeah, know? I mean, but Kyle Busch – I mean, two blown engines in three races, which is not something you typically see out of Toyota's engines. That's the way it is. But he, and he's another one. He's been, he's had a season where it's just like, they've had a lot of wins get away for a lot of different reasons. 
I mean, I, I think the stat that they said on PRN was Kyle Busch had gone 97 races without a blown engine. Oof. 97, and then had two in this round. Yeah. I mean, just... And then uh, spins out and has a bad race at Kansas. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and then still, he still was, even after he goes out, he still was had a chance to, to make it tonight. Um, so the Reddick thing, though, um, you know, it seemed like he was going to be in really good shape uh at, at kansas and you know he sort of led all the metrics and he you know he has that quote after his wreck with the tire type thing he says you know i'm, I'm i had a fast car but i don't want to have fast cars anymore because it's basically the setup that was making it fast right um and then you know tonight he was going to be okay but the suarez wreck happens so let's, let's talk about the suarez wreck for a minute how much that changed so i didn't actually see the suarez wreck because i was in the garage at that time trying to get kyle bush so okay. i i saw in the replay from my perspective it looked like a restart and then suarez lost it is that right yes so suarez said that his car was like the worst car, car driving car he's had all season okay he basically said this was fascinating to me his car was he said his car was like really bouncing super super hard in the corners and like he was just he could barely make it through the corners essentially and I said, you know, I know he's into F1. So I said, was less like the porpoising in F1? He said exactly like that. Hmm. Basically, his car was porpoising huh. in the corners. Um, and th- it was happening in practice. He said they changed everything on the car um, yesterday from practice and qualifying because it was so bad. And he said lap one, as soon as they started the race, he said he came on the radio and was like, it's still, it's nothing changes. It's bouncing. It's still just as hard. So he was having a real bear of a time controlling it. So he gets on the backstretch and just trying to control it snaps loose. But as a result, right, um, in that moment, because that had happened right after the Kyle Busch thing. Mm-hmm. So in that wreck, um, you know, that that essentially uh, ruined Austin Dillon's hopes because he got caught up in that mm-hmm. and he's done. That ruined Tyler Reddick's hopes. Um it ended up taking out some other guys, um, but it also because Suarez ended up surviving that. Obviously, I'm not saying this was on any way intentional, or anything on purpose. But the end result of that was that helped Suarez advance. So this is no conspiracy. No, this was no conspiracy. But I'm, Suarez made it by um, seven points. He made it by seven points. He was below the cut line, I believe. Yeah, he was below. He was below the cut line when that happened because he was below Reddick um, and he was below Bush, right? And then that allowed him to stay in the race. Now, he ended up finishing six laps down in 19th, but... He's playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. Well, no, I'm, again, I'm not saying it was on purpose, but I'm saying that the end result of that... Yeah, it worked out to his advantage, yeah. Ended up taking out two playoff drivers and it was a big wreck. Um the other crazy part of that was the, the Austin Cindric part of this, where Cindric was, he was seven laps down mm-hmm. and that was putting him close to 30th or something or below 30th. Yeah. But as more attrition happened, despite being seven laps down, he kept gaining spots, gaining spots, gaining spots. And he ended up just doing enough to make it. You know, he was racing against a car that was already out of the race and he just had to pick up enough spots to do it. And the interesting thing with him is when he had his tire, his first tire issue, they didn't throw. There was no caution. 
Well, and we should we should address the caution consistency inconsistency type thing because it was it, to me it, it did feel all over the map. Now Mike Ford from NASCAR PR tweeted um, you know an explanation at least of the Keselowski no call versus the Bell call. They were yeah. pretty close together, but it's tough because when if you see a driver with a flat tire, I understand maybe from NASCAR's point of view, they're trying to say that, well, we're, we're calling it because if they can get down the track, there's nobody coming. It's not a dangerous situation. Then, you know, we're, we're going to try to hold it and keep the race green. But that also has a tremendous the, deciding whether to do that or not can end somebody's race or playoff hopes or not. Because, you know, once Keselowski had to pit under green and there's no caution for that. His race is over. That's it. No way. No way he comes back from that. But like the Harrison Burton and the Blaney thing and stuff like that, like those were happening. Those cautions came like quickly, right? Like as they, like as the Burton, as Harrison Burton, you know, his tires going down, he's pretty much on pit road. The caution's coming out. I, I think there may have been some other people involved, but you know, that's, that saved him. Right. And, and Bell also, I mean, Bell, um, he, he has a flat tire out of the lead. He ends up finishing fourth. Yeah. He caught because, a timely caught. Yeah. The caution. Well, he was the caution. He was the caution. They, but they threw it right away is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But Keselowski, um, ends up finishing 13th. They were both in the lead when their incidents happened. One, one got a caution for it and one didn't. So you can understand why people would be like NASCAR. Well, what's, yeah. what's the difference here? And I agree. Mike's tweet about, you know, it depends on what, who's around you at the time, how many cars around you and that kind of thing. But it, if you don't know that and you don't have the perspective, you can wonder why, cause you don't always see it on TV. I, I don't see, I, I didn't see it. Cause I was I, I didn't have that perspective. You were up in the press box. You get a better vantage point than me. So I, to me, it's all about like the Blaney thing to me made sense because I saw the replay and he was in traffic and obviously the, the wall and, that that's an obvious call. The bell, the bell one. I don't know. I mean, he was in traffic, right? Yeah. I mean, well, there's cars coming the whole time at Bristol, yeah, so there's never really a well, time when the it's... Brad, I mean, the Brad one though, like he had a pretty. There was a lot of space between him. And he was in traffic at the time, so I mean, it's hard. It, it's just. It's, I don't know the, how much space there was. I mean, I have to go back. Cars I have to go back. I mean, I will tell you though. When I talk to race directors, this is the hardest. This is one of the hardest places to to, to officiate a race because there's just so much going on at once. But I think, I think that in some ways, to to avoid putting yourself in that position, could you not just say, "Look, if somebody has a flat tire and they're slow, we're going to call it," and then you don't have to worry about people going, "Well, wait, how come you called it for that guy and not that sure. guy?" You know. I mean, cause that everybody's looking at it and they're like, well, I don't, and it, it's, it's such a small nuanced difference. Maybe that's the solution. I mean, it just say, okay, look, car on track, car in the wall, slow, flat tire. But then you had some, some other ones. Like I think the, the Eric Jones one, or maybe one of those ones or Ty Dillon one or something like that. Some people are like, why was that a caution? You know, there was like a quick caution. People are like, why was that? Let's see. What was that one? Oh, um, no, it wasn't the Eric Jones one because he spun. No, he, sp- he spun. Yeah. That was a multi-car incident. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm looking at the caution report here and like, you know, like you had one for Denny. Yep. You know? Larson too. Yeah. Um, and it just says, it doesn't, it just says slow on front stretch or whatever. So I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I think in the playoffs, 
I think everybody's just looking for consistency from, you know, calls wise. So that I don't, we don't need to go too far into that, but no, I mean, I, I've said before, it's consistency is the most important thing and you have to be, I'd like to see more of that. So I had already said this was the weakest playoff field ever um, because of, you know, the amount of parity going on and uh, the lack of dominant drivers. But now going forward, you've really eliminated um, some serious contenders and people that we didn't take too seriously have advanced. Yeah. I mean, there's three legit contenders out of this like immediately. Playoffs now, immediately. And, and I'm, I mean, no offense to like Chase Briscoe, mm-hmm. but I don't view him as like a championship contender. I, I would say the same thing about Alex Bowman. Um, well, Alex Bowman had a nice round. I mean, he, he had a nice he round, even, but he, I don't, he got in a wreck in DNF tonight and he still cl- had clinched before the race was over. He did. He, he mean, had a so, very, very nice round. I yeah. just don't view him. No, I, yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, he, he has had faster cars yet lately, but I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't view him as a, I don't if I was going to, yeah, I was, if I was going to rank my 12 title contenders without looking at it, I think Briscoe would probably be 12 Suarez would be like 11 Bowman would probably be 10. Austin Cindric. Oh, Cindric. Yeah. yeah Cindric is okay. So Cindric would be probably 15 or 16. Actually, you know what? I take that back on Cindric and I'll tell you why. Okay. The Roval. Yeah. The, I mean, he goes to the Roval. Like that's a legit place for him to win. And Talladega. And Talladega and intermediate tracks have been bad either. So like, he's actually, you know, like he's got a pathway to the round of eight that isn't unrealistic. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's fascinating. So, Christopher Bell was first. I mean, first of all, it's still crazy to think that nobody locked themselves into the next round on a win. Like it's wild. We've, we just need to just stop for a second and think about that. Like we've never even come close to a situation like this. I don't, I'm, there's never been a time when even in, in the same round, two non-playoff drivers won in the, in a whole round, right? Yeah, there has. I'm pretty sure that has happened before. I thought there. I don't know. Anyway, right, I'm look. I'm gonna go. Well, well. Last week was the first time that non-playoff drivers had won back to back. Yes. But um, anyway, uh, so Bell ends up as the points leader um, after this. He he had a 22 point lead um, over Byron, who was second in points. It's a sneaky title pick, by the way. Who, Bell? Bell. Well, that's what that's what I was going to get into. I, I asked him after the race, "Do you think you're a championship favorite now?" I, I mean, he's, he's if you were going to do power rankings, um, like our our friends over at the Couch Racer, you know, they they're doing like yeah, a yeah, power yeah. rankings yeah, of the playoff fun. drivers every week. Um, you know, I, I think uh, like Bell Bell's probably going to be P one, right after this round. Probably, yeah. I mean, the only thing I I would like to see him do is just close out. Like they are in races a lot. And well, he was going to win tonight. But you could say that a lot of times this year, though, where they've had yeah. speed and performance and, like, man, this looks like a Bell victory, and then something happens and it doesn't. And that, that concerns me. But it's, it's, he's getting the finishes, though. I mean, he's a very sneaky playoff contender, uh, championship contender right now, um, running really well, finishing, you know, decent. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing that he said, though, that I thought was interesting was, you know, because I – asked him, how do you feel about it? And he said, well, I would feel good, but I don't have the playoff points and now everything resets, you know? So he had a great round, mm-hmm. right? And you establish yourself and you say, wow, he's got a lot of speed and he's got a lot of momentum. And now he goes right back down. the, <laughs> He yep. slides right back down. And he's got to start all over again, building up the points because he didn't 
come into the playoffs with a ton of playoff points. Yeah. Um, uh, 2014 back-to-back non-playoff drivers won races. Uh, they're already eliminated playoff drivers, though, so I think that's the caveat. Dale Earnhardt Jr. won at Martinsville, and then the following week, Jimmy Johnson won at Texas. And they but had, they were playoff drivers. But they had been eliminated at that point, so it depends on how you look at it. Okay. I mean, well, these weren't even people in the playoffs at all. Yeah, so I mean, there's, this a, round. there's a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like Bell. The thing with Bell is Toyota's been very good at mile-and-a-half racetracks. Texas has been a very good track for him. I think that is favorable. He has been good in super speedway races, but it's unpredictable, and he's still a little bit of an unknown commodity in those races. There's some, you know, there's some, can he make the right moves in those races at at Dega to put himself in contention? He is a good road course racer. Don't forget, he won the Daytona road course. Um, But Roval is, again, that the round, this this upcoming round is so, we thought this round was nuts. I think the upcoming round is going to be nuts. Nutzer, is that the right word? Crazier? Nuttier. Nuttier. Thank you. Sorry, it's late. Um, so I, I think he's in a good spot here. I, I really do. If he just you just have to survive it and try to avoid problems. It's really important to get start the round though well at Texas and capitalize on the speed that you can have. Yeah. I and and Bell said as much after the race. I mean, he's like, I feel really good about the round of eight if we can get there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Roval, especially with Toyota not being good at road That's courses. True. That's a good point. And obviously Talladega, you never know, you know, that that's concerning. So, um, Texas is going to be pretty big for whoever can do that. Um, another survivor, uh, I mean, Blaney, oh. hey, boy, lucky, <laughs> lucky for him that he had such a good first enough couple races. I mean, see, well, not just that. Let's go back to Daytona. You got Daytona in there too. Like, I mean, the last two elimination races, like he's had everything thrown at him, but the kitchen sink actually he might've gotten thrown the kitchen sink thrown at him tonight. Cause it was bad. And it's like, man, he went, he's lucky that he had enough points coming in here. Otherwise he's done. And he is very lucky that everyone else had issues or he's done. No, I mean, he even, he he easily made it though. He didn't even need everybody else to have issues to that extent. Like, um, I mean, he made it by 24 points, 25 points, something like that. Um, so, I mean, he, he was more than good you know yeah i mean depending on if you get a harvick winning the race though or something like that too it changes the narrative really quick so yeah he, he i mean just to have he, the problems he had was 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 crazy because he was going from leading like hey a lot of people like blading to win tonight and he looked like he asserted himself early and then all of a sudden boom yeah so we talked about suarez making it and obviously his teammate as well Ross Chastain had a quiet round. That's what he did. Nobody. No issues tonight. No, no paybacks. No, nothing. Nope. Nope. Survive in advance, baby. I mean, nobody. He just kind of did his thing and stayed out of the way. Didn't cause problems. Didn't create problems. Nobody came after him or anything. No, that's good. All that hype. Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, he's going to be very happy. He's got to be happy that he got. He was. Yeah. Now he said it's the biggest accomplishment. You know, uh, he was, he was noting that, even even the people in the shop that were sort of like the Ganassi types, rarely, you know, mo- many of those people had not made it that far. Now, Larson had um, made it a decent run with Ganassi at one point. Yeah, he so had the, a couple the, rounds. He had at least one round of eight, if not the two. Round of yeah. Eight, yeah, but a lot of people in the shop, Justin was saying, were, you know, not used to making it to the round of 12. And Trackhouse, both cars, round of 12. That's an accomplishment. Most disappointing team of the year, I said, so... <laughs> they're still marching on there they go yep um 
obviously, uh, Hendrick has all four still alive. Yep. That's big. So that's, that's Penske's something. He's got yeah. all three. Stuart Haas mm, is down to one. Didn't think about that. Yeah. Stuart Haas is down to one and it's not, not Harvick. Who uh, would have thought that? Yep. Um, JGR lost one. They only have three qualify and they're down to one. They're down. They lost one. Now they're down yeah, to two. Josh, JGR is down to two cars in the round of 12. Yeah. That is weird, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't they have all four in the round of eight not that long ago? A few years ago, and we were like, oh, man, all four JGR cars, maybe they could make uh, it. No? I'm trying to think. What year would that be? Um, no. That never happened? No, because oh. Jones Jones has been in the 20 for a while, and he was always an early casualty in the playoffs. Oh, okay. He just was snake bitten. Um, they had – you're thinking about 2016 when Kansas was driving the, the, four, the 20. And they went to Martinsville, and they was they had the four of the eight, and, never, yeah, yeah. and, they, they, and that was the year, and they were all pissed off at each other because they was it Carl that was holding up Denny and Kyle, and it allowed Jimmy to get away and win the race, and that prevented the talk was that JGR was going to take all four spots. Could could JGR take all four spots at Homestead? But Jimmy went to Martinsville and won because one of the JGR cars was holding up the other two, and it cost them. That's what you're thinking of. Okay. I see. I, I don't have a very good memory, but at least that stuck. Because I never that because yeah. when I just I remember writing that though when Jimmy won Martinsville, it mm-hmm. was like they opened the door for Jimmy Johnson. Like he went to his best track, he won at Martinsville. They let him in at Homestead. Like oh man, and, and then he won, and he won, and he didn't. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't. I was gonna say he didn't deserve to win. That's unfair. Well, he, he wasn't gonna win. He was yeah, the fourth best car. He yeah. had a lot. Of, he had a lot. Of, he, he needed a lot of help, and he got it. But it was like that Martinsville thing just flipped everything. Mm. Wow, and also ended Carl Edwards' career. So there's there seems to be a lot more to come with these playoffs, but at the same time, how much more shocking can it get? Because as you already have, you know, crazy names drop out. First of all, what Denny Hamlin's been saying about this is going to be the year where the champion um, doesn't have to win. You know, a, yeah. a non-playoff it person certainly wins feels that way. Phoenix, yeah, this is this is not the playoffs of old where. Um, you know, they're going to go run one, two, three, four at Phoenix or, you know, it, it, I just don't think that, I mean, it's just, it's not shaping up that way. No. Nothing about this is, and, and I also think there's a possibility that you're starting to set up for sort of an odd champion in the sense that like, whether it's a bell or a Byron or somebody that gets through mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, that's kind of weird. That doesn't really go with the narrative of the season. But the narrative of the season really was parody and unpredictability. So it would almost make sense if a champion sort of came out of nowhere. And you're like, wow, really? That's the champion? But, yeah, I feel like we're headed that way. You know, yeah. So, and I, no disrespect to Bell, but I think that would qualify. Like that is a guy. Exactly. We, even though he's fair, but everything he's deserving, it's just not somebody you would think of. He'd be fourth. if you Going this year, he would have been fourth out of Joe Gibbs racing drivers of guys you think would win the championship. And that's the way it is. Like going I, into even even before Truex was eliminated, like going into Daytona or something. You'd you're right. You're right. I mean, I just at this point now, I feel like anything is on the table because we've had more winners than we ever thought. We had more winners than playoff spots. You know, it, we had a guy not who made the playoffs decide he, it, it, for health reasons couldn't race in the playoffs. Um, we've had three non-playoff drivers win the first three races. It just feels like. I, I, everything can happen at this point. Car, a hole could hop, open up on the track and swallow a car, and I would be like, "Oh yeah, okay, that's par for the course." 
I know, right? It it is it is sort of what you said earlier in the episode, where like the unpredictable is becoming predictable at this point. Now, yeah. now you're just exp- now you're going like every week saying, okay, well, what crazy thing is going to happen? Yeah. And if something crazy doesn't happen, it would be like, well, that was weird. Exactly. That seemed normal. <laughs> like if Larson wins Texas, you'd be like, oh, huh. that's weird. That's why is he winning here? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Isn't this like a Rick Ware car this week should win? <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, we've probably talked long enough, and uh, it's time to. Oh, I don't know. I, we, should we do the good race poll, or do you want to talk about? Why would we not your, do the poll? Well, I was going to talk about B- Bianchi bombs. <laughs> we got lucky. Got lucky. Our our guy here, Jordan Bianchi, breaks two big stories recently. Broke the Kyle Busch news, then b- drops the schedule on everybody before it comes out. Um, Jordan, not only won't release the Harvick tape from last year, but also won't tell anybody who's, who's telling them all this stuff. So I I just don't get my ear to the ground. That's all. You should release the Harvick tape now. No, no chance. It's been a year. No chance. Happy anniversary, by the way. Well, thank you. It's actually been a year today. I believe. Yeah. Uh, Um, anyway, uh, any, any thoughts, I guess on, on the schedule? Cause we didn't really, yeah. I mean, North book. I mean, Listen, you and I have talked about this. Like, I, I, my expectation was that North Wilkesboro in 2024 was going to host the All Star Race. I really, from people, the conversations I had, that was the direction this was heading. And when we heard that this was kind of moved up, it was like, whoa. And I say that. Did you say whoa? Whoa, right? Whoa. 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 I don't know. Like, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's just. I've been there a lot and I, and I like that place and I think it's great, but man, it needs a lot of work. And I don't, but I also think about this, like, and I don't know if it matters really. Like, I don't know, like they're going to pack in 20 some thousand there for sure. And traffic's going to be a nightmare. Everybody knows this going in and they're going to, they have, I don't know, six months to spruce this up and it'll get to some level of, of good or decent. Right. And I think that's all it needs because it's going to be a, more than anything. It's a TV event. And I think across on TV, it's going to come across that way is you're going to have a jacked up, excited, intense crowd. And it's going to be like, Oh man, that's cool. And I think that's what matters. No, I agree. I mean, I think it's going to be, I mean, you're I, between that and the Chicago street race and the clash back at the Coliseum, um, you know, there'll be some exciting stuff next year and um you know i i yeah i i don't love i guess maybe like the how they the end of the season the end of the regular season got a little bit shuffled around um where the indie road course is yeah now. i don't I, I don't understand that i talked to a lot of people i actually talked to someone today from indianapolis motor speedway about this like i don't understand that and it just no one has been able to really explain that to me. I don't know if it matters much. Like, I mean, may, but I will say this: maybe, maybe that's not a bad thing though, because you you're gonna have, you've got already got Daytona, Watkins Glen, which are two pretty good, unpredictable races, and whether it's good or bad, you can you can't argue that Indianapolis is unpredictable, right? Like, maybe that's not a bad thing to have like three just wild ass races going into the end of the regular season, end of the regular season. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you've got two road courses in Daytona basically to end the regular yeah. season now as well. And no saying, offense so. to Richmond, we know how we, Richmond has been lately. It wasn't, yeah. you know, we, we thought, oh, Richmond now is going to be kind of, you know, end of the regular season, that's going to give it some juice. Well, it didn't. Yeah. Otherwise, the schedule is pretty much 
yeah, you know, what I, we thought. It yeah, was I think be, so. what the important thing to now with the schedule is NASCAR really remade the, remade the schedule last three years ago. They really did a lot of changes and they did some more changes kind of in this year is going forward now. And you're really seeing it next year is you're going to have like they're going to try. And I think they're going to be successful more often than not is to have one major marquee new event each year. Next year at Chicago, obviously North Wilkesboro too, but I'm talking points and everything. You know, Coliseum this year. So I think going forward, the then you start looking at it like, okay, what does that mean in 24? What is that big thing, different thing? Is that in Canada, you go to Mexico. Nashville you, Fairgrounds. Nashville Fairgrounds, which is very much on the table and that you have to keep an eye on there for the All-Star. New Fontana track. New Fontana track. There you go. So in the Coliseum, I think it's probably fair to say is probably going to be on the move. You know, you're probably going to see that relocated somewhere. So you're going to see, you know, one or two big events each year, you know, like gets people excited, like you circle. I think that's the plan. I think that's a really good thing for NASCAR. For so long, the schedule was so boring. Yeah. And now it's like they're not afraid to make big changes. And they, they've they been very successful so far. They haven't really had a race or like a new venue. You're like, oh, man, that was a that was a failure, which, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. And kudos to them for pulling this off. And we'll see how Chicago goes. But they, they deserve... They deserve the praise for making for taking big swings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess Kyle Busch stuff. Um, you know, just briefly. Uh, we, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that. Uh, I, I just don't know. It, it's going to be fascinating to see how the relationship goes with RCR. They're saying all the right things, of course, and you know, burying the hatchet by giving the watch and all that stuff. But you know, Kyle Busch this weekend was still quite um, unhappy and stressed. I mean. His truck team seems to really be weighing on him. A very uncertain future there, it seems sure. like. Um, he's really seems stressed about the 50 employees that he has and, and trying to keep that place open, but doesn't really know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, that, that seemed to be on his mind a lot now, obviously, with his playoff elimination. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to hear much from Kyle Busch for the rest of the year because— no. Um, as these, as these media availabilities go and, and, you know, the driver requirements, um, once you're out of the playoffs, you are pretty much non-existent to be honest. Yeah. We, we don't, they, they're not obligated to do stuff. And yeah. Kyle Bush is certainly not going to be like, Hey media, you want to talk? I think Kyle's probably ready for a break. I think it's yeah. fair to say. And I understand, I get it. Like it's been, it's been a grind. The truck series team, I get why it's weighing on them. Like, I mean, you leave Toyota, you just left your they, they sponsored all of the trucks. They heavily, if not all of them, um, they they funded the drivers. They supplied and funded the drivers. They equipment like now all of a sudden all of that is gone, and now you're responsible for sponsors and paying drivers, finding drivers. That's a lot, and he's going to get some help from Chevrolet. I wouldn't be completely shocked if RCR has some kind of voice or say or you know whatever some kind of they're involved in this somehow, but still. That's this is a whole different dynamic. And obviously the other piece this is Tyler Reddick. Richard Childress says, okay, <laughs> hey, Tyler Reddick, uh, you know, you're, I told you an hour before you're out of the eight car. Um, Coincidentally, Tyler told him an hour before that he was leaving the team. I'm sure that wasn't a coincidence. You know, I'm taking your crew chief um, and, you know, you, you'll be in the third car. I'll tell you the details later or something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't, I still don't really believe it. So let's, let's just say, I mean, wh- what do you think? Who's going to be, where, where's Tyler Reddick going to be next year? Is he going to be an RCR third car? Is he going to okay. be? Here's the, I can only answer that question. If you answer this question. Okay. 
is Kurt ba- is Kurt Busch coming back to drive the number 45 car next year? I would say no. I, I think that Tyler Reddick would be in the 45 car next year and that Richard Childress is bluffing and he's not really going to spend that much money to start a third team with all that would go into that. And I, I would just think that, um, you know, Kurt would step aside and, you know, Tyler would go in there. Or even if Kurt comes back, they would, 2311 would be the one that would figure out a way to get him in a third car. Yeah. Um, or whoever in a third car, whether it's Kurt or whatever. But um, I just, why, why, I just don't see why RCR would want to keep Tyler Reddick and invest in a driver who's about to leave. Um, obviously, but he says that's the plan. So that that's my answer. What do you think? I think a lot depends on Kurt. If Kurt is in a position and it has to be resolved sooner rather than later. And if Kurt is okay to drive for next year and miraculously is cleared relatively in short order, that puts then 2311 doesn't need a driver and they're fine. But let's say Kurt is out. It just makes too much sense. Once cooler heads prevail, emotions kind of soothe over a little bit and the bitterness and the animosity that's built up on the RCR side over this kind of, you know, subsides. I would make sense that everybody gets in a room and just says, listen, like, what are we doing here? Like you guys, it doesn't make sense for you guys to go. They're going to lease a charter too, by the way. It's not that I talked to a lot of people today and they've already had the conversations. They're not going to buy a charter. They're going to lease a charter if that goes down that road, but it just, it's still a lot of money you've got to spend. And I think at the end of the day, it makes too much sense for Tyler Reddick not to be in the 45 card next year. And it, it just gives him a safety net with Kurt and you don't know. And if Kurt does decide that at some point next year, he's healthier, I shouldn't even say it's Kurt's, it's not even Kurt's decision. It's doctor's decision first. And then Kurt's decision, he wants to come back. I think, you know, there's enough resources on that side of 2311 and Toyota. They'll make it work somehow, some way. I just, I mean, if, if Kurt was so affected, you know, by this Pocono incident and whatever other yeah. things that happened this year that led up to hits. the Pocono, yeah. um, you know, I, I could see him saying, okay, I want to come back for a race or two, kind of like a Dale Jr. thing. Yeah. I mean, we right saw place, J- but but yeah. why would you come back for a whole season at this point in your life after you've just gone through this? Why would you yeah. want to put yourself at risk again? So that, that's why I say. No, I agree. I mean, I, I, I really have a struggle like putting myself like, in someone's spot who's injured or something like that. Sure, yeah, no. And I, I and I will say, I, I feel genuinely bad for Kurt because he was in a spot where he was really thriving. Like a team was built around him. He was really having impact there. He had won a race. Like they, it felt like he could he could really do something in the playoffs. And and there, there was a clear like thing of like, hey, I'm having a really good year this year, and I'm gonna come back next year, and then that's gonna be it. And then that's all. No athlete, and you've covered athletes for a long time, Jeff, across any sport. No athlete wants to have their career taken from them. They want to go out on their own terms. And this is Kurt having that taken away from him. It would be great if he could come back and go out on his own terms, but we just don't know. Well, we teased it before, and uh, let's talk about the good race poll. You know, Big Joe Wall 72, we talk about him all the time on this podcast because he was been the one who – you know, tallies our results when we were keeping track of the good race poll, which you were dominating, by the way. That's what um, I do. It's funny. You just called it off. We, uh, we met him at the tweet up today. Great Pretty guy. cool. That was awesome. Uh, met a lot of great people. That's what Jordan actually showed his face to the tweet up. Now that he's famous, signed an <laughs> autograph. How about that? Man of the people, Jeff, man of the people. I, I've, I've, 
I really want to say, I think Bob took a picture of you signing the autograph. I have not seen that. Yeah. I, well, he didn't, he, I haven't seen it, but I, I think I saw him take out uh, his okay. phone and take a picture of you. Never signed you, autograph before. So how about that? How about that? I mean, now that you're on your giant face <laughs> is on everybody's TV screens around the country. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, you, you won last week is what I was trying to say. Uh, we, we brought the poll guessing back last week. Mm-hmm. And the Kansas race and uh, another W for you. So you picked right up where you left off. All I do is win. Um, so and, and just funny again, after a week after winning, you again start talking about dropping the poll. Just coincidence, I'm sure. Um, you please uh, go go Pick. first. Yeah. What do you think Bristol's going to be? Oh man, this is so tough because of everything. Seventy three percent. What's your reasoning? I don't know. It just feels right. Like, I don't want to go too high because I think there'll probably be some people that are be like, oh, the next-gen car, short track racing wasn't good. You know, every cars were breaking. It just, but I don't want to go too low because I do think that there's going to be like, oh, no, that was entertaining. It was fun and, you know, good story. So I just I feel like 73 is like a kind of in the middle number. I think this is one of the hardest ones of the season. 100%. agree. I mean, this is really tough because, yeah, where do, how do you, how are people going to view this race? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just don't, I don't know that people are going to love this one. Um, maybe it's just, I don't. So here's a question for you. And yeah. you, you check your social media mentions a lot. Like, did you hear, did you see a lot of backlash tonight on social media about the race and the car or anything? I, I, I for the little I look, I didn't see much. Yeah. You okay. There you go. I mean, well, people, there was a lot of backlash for a lot of different things. People were mad at uh, Toyota for various, you know, whether it was blaming them for the engines blowing up or they felt like the team orders kind of thing, or like, you know, the Kyle Busch fans were fired up about that. Then you had people mad at Ford for, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't sure about the, um, the tire issues or, you know, Logano stuff or whatever. And, sure. and Almarola, like what's oh, going yeah, on there, yeah. you know, to get. Cindric and, and then you had, uh, yeah, the mechanical issue. They were mad at Goodyear. Um, you know, why aren't these tires holding up? You know, the next gen car is not holding up. Um, stuff like that. I mean, Denny Hamlin during our podcast just now, uh, well, not just now, it was about 30 minutes ago, but, uh, he tweeted, we need next gen 2.0. Just got to figure out who's going to pay for it. See, and that's what I always come back to. Like, it's really easy to figure out solutions, but then you got to figure out who's going to write the check. And the team owners are not really in a position to write checks right now for this stuff. And I don't think NASCAR is going to cover the costs. So how do you how do you bridge that impasse? Yeah. So anyway, I didn't get my guess. Uh, I'm I'm just going to say sixty four percent. Pretty low. But yeah. But, I mean, I, but you, I can make a case for the way, and I think it's. I'll probably be wrong. I'll probably I mean, you're usually wrong yeah. most weeks. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so 73% for you, 64% percent, for yeah. me. Okay. Well, uh, a lot more thoughts. Um, you know, if you guys are into checking out The Athletic, um, I know we picked up a bunch of new subscribers from all your Bianchi Bomb stories. So make sure to take advantage of your subscription on The Athletic and check out our work coming up this week. I... Um, Definitely have some driver, more driver quotes from all the post-race interviews. And I'm going to put those in my weekly top five column that uh, probably comes out on Monday. And maybe it'll come out Sunday this week. I don't know if I'll have it done. But um, be coming out Monday morning, if not. And uh, so check that out. 
much more reaction from this race than we were able to get into on this podcast, but, um, obviously plenty more come also. I'm going to Texas this week. Then I'll see you again in two weeks at Talladega. Can't wait. So then the Roval, that'll be fun. Roval. Well, you're doing that one by yourself. So I am. I'm going to miss yeah. you. No, you won't. I will. Your top five going to talk about why, uh, Bristol should be dirt track permanently. All right. Talk to you guys next week. See you everybody. Bye.